Wow. Uh, happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. This this finally is the New Year. March is the time when the New Year arrives. Now, I know you're going to correct me and say, Somal, it's not March, it's February. But it does not matter. This is when the year begins. It's testing time already. But I am super confused. What is going to be tested the most here? Is it going to be the cars, the conditions, or just Fernando Alonso's patience? That is exactly what we discuss on this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast. We are back, folks. This is the three biggest stories to watch for from testing from each of us. And it feels so good to be doing this after such a long time because over the winter, we've worked so much in terms of creating live on-ground meetups and we managed to get one big one in Mumbai this time out. And by the way, there's another one coming up on Sunday, but more on that later. But on that note, we've been working so hard to get things on the ground that we've actually not quite been able to record, sit down virtually and talk about Formula 1 as much. And at last, the opportunity is here. So I think let's dive right into it. But before doing so, I think we must remind all of you of who we are and what we do. My name is Somal Arora. I am the host of the Indian Racing League on Disney Plus Hotstar. And I've been also hosting the podcast for a very, very long time. But joining me is Kunal Shah, the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team an FIA-accredited Formula 1 journalist. And with all of us is F1 stats guru Sundaram. I think the name says it all. His stats have been read out by Fernando Alonso and David Croft and so many other paddock insiders that, frankly, it's just mind-blowing. So don't forget to check him out on social media. But I've been speaking for far too long now. Sundaram, ah, here we go. Are we going to hear the P word this time? Should we say it out loud now? Which one? Because there are quite a few. Piastri? I'm thinking porpoising. <laughs> I'm thinking porpoising. But but wait, before that. So it's great to be back here. And I, I think I might be feeling a little rusty about this. But uh, I've almost forgotten that I should, I should prepare some notes for the podcast. But it feels great to be doing this once again. And very, very excited for the upcoming season. And... Yeah, piastri, porpoising, all of those are going to be a lot of are, are going to be the focus points for this upcoming pre-season testing. That also starts with the pre pre-season yes. testing. <laughs> I'm guessing nobody guessed that when Somil asked, "Are we all going to focus on the p-word?" People meant pre-season testing, but. Wow, it's going to be a lot of fun and I also feel rusty, much like all the Formula 1 drivers are going to feel. Remember they've not really gotten to work since Abu Dhabi last year. And if you're Nico Hulkenberg, you probably haven't been to work full-time since like three seasons or something. So there is this one set of rookies we are going to focus on, which is, you know, Piastri and Nick DeFries and Logan Sargent. But on the other end of the spectrum is going to be this really, uh, you know, what do you say, experienced midfield driver like Nico Hulkenberg, who we're going to look out for. And now since we know Lance Stroll is not going to be participating in the preseason test, Another young driver in Fernando Alonso is who's our, who you know our eyes will be out on. I believe by the time we record and publish this episode, Aston Martin would come up with a plan of whether Alonso is doing all six sessions or is somebody splitting the sessions with him or will he allow somebody to split the sessions with him and so on. But just uh, going to be exciting to see how preseason testing goes. We're going to see cars going, you know, round and round, all around. We're going to try and make sense of it because, you know, for once, it probably won't make a lot of sense to us. Not that it makes sense to us all the time they go around. But yes, P for PS3, P for purposing, P for preseason testing. 
I'm I'm pretty sure everybody's as excited. It's going to be superb because this is the first time that we properly get to see Formula One cars designed from the ground up, considering the new technical directive in mind. And I know saying something like technical directive makes it feel very boring. It's it's kind of like a doctor's letter or something like that. But don't forget how important it is because that could essentially shape up how much of bouncing we get. And that for me is crucial. So the first point that I'm very, very excited to see is how the teams design their car with that TD in mind. But ooh, the one team that really comes to mind for that one is Mercedes. Because I was thinking, right, okay, Mercedes from this year, what do I want to see changed? Bouncing, side pods, the brake issues, the drivers not hitting the other person and just running away, uh, the weight saving, basically everything, right, Sundaram? That's the whole team that we're probably looking at. Oh, absolutely. There are quite a few things that we'll be looking at um, in in the Mercedes car as specifically. Um, so I'll, I think I'll start off with my first point, which is going to be the point which everyone is talking about uh, ahead of preseason testing, the weight saving issue. A lot of teams have been talking about reducing their weight below the minimum weight limit, which is 798 kilos. And they've been really struggling to do that last year. And this year we have two teams who have openly stated that, oh, we are under the minimum limit and we can we can use ballast to to our advantage to try and move things around and try probably try to extract a little bit of performance uh, in that as well and in mercedes's case it it works in in the case that uh, it's basically hitting two birds with one stone they strip down the car to their bare black self and they can also send the message of you know um what do you say, fighting against racism racism and, and discrimination. That was the initial intent. And it kind of works both ways for them this year. And I am very keen on seeing how much, how much of an on-track advantage it gives to all teams in general, because most of the cars look, have a little bit of black bits on it. It's for some, so some teams, they really don't have a choice. Teams like Ferrari and McLaren, they have to go with the regular color scheme. But for Mercedes, I'm really, really keen on seeing how much of an advantage does it give them uh, on track. And that's P, another P for political messaging with the black liveried Mercedes <laughs> out there, right? And, you know, Formula One ran this vote of the top three best liveries. Mercedes' black uh, W14 was the best, followed by Ferrari's, uh, you know, red car. And guess what? Number three was actually the Alfa Romeo. So teams with all black, all red, or a mix of the two were actually the most popular liveries on the internet, right? So they're, of course, trying to keep us all engaged till, you know, testing eventually comes out uh, this weekend. But talking of purposing, uh, you know, on a, on a more serious note, I still believe it is going to be around uh, because ground effect cars will create purposing, just that the teams are better prepared. They have more data. They've sort of, like Samuel said, gone back to the drawing board. There's a new technical directive in place and so on, which will help them counter purposing. They'll have better, more improved tools to deal with purposing while not reducing performance of their cars. So that's going to be one. But sticking still to the changes, I'm excited to see a Formula 1 toothbrush right because if we remember the renders that alfa romeo actually put out of their car right they had all these teeth jutting out on the floor which is what the regulations need now imagine you run over grass right and you actually don't see the grass going in the side pods and getting stuck but this will be a dentist's nightmare if you run over grass you go over gravel and i, I would love to see how formula one teams actually come with a giant toothbrush to just clean those teeth out there. So we'll 
testing gives them a chance to sort of showcase that as well. I'm not too sure because Bahrain is more sand than grass. But you guys know where I'm going with this. The Oral-B Formula 1 team. Not bad. <laughs> Good work. Does your car also have salt and lemons in it? Oh, nothing, I'm just kidding. It's just a reference to a silly Indian ad that talks about all that rubbish. But no, it's it's true though, because the teams have come up with such radical designs with their cars as well. And that's also one thing we get to see, Sundaram, because only a couple of them have genuinely revealed it. There are curiosities like Mercedes' side pod. Are they really going back to the zero pod? And also things like how inspired are Aston Martin by the bigger teams as well? Because... At this stage, not much that we can tell, can we, Kunal? You know, Mercedes had the zero pod, and now it's called the half pod or 0.5 pod. And this reminds me of how, uh, you know, alcohol brands advertise their alcohol-free and low-alcohol variants. It's like you buy a regular beer, it's 4% beer. You buy a strong beer, it's 6% alcohol. You buy a 0% beer, it's no alcohol. But hey, 0.5 is just there, you know. So that's the kind of Mercedes thing. And if porpoising exists and if Mercedes uh, continues to struggle from porpoising, they'll bring another P to the discussion or to the season, which is politics. How will they politically use their position in the sport and use the position of, say, George Russell, who's one of the directors of the GPDA, to help them tackle purposing? They did that last year. Will they do it again this year? And, you know, there's been this clip uh, that did the rounds on Twitter and I'm sure all the other social media that I don't use, uh, you know, a couple of days ago. With, uh, with uh, you know, I think it was Lewis Hamilton in the W14 shakedown and the car was porpoising. It was a five or a seven second video. Now, it could well be that Mercedes is just playing with all of us by releasing just, or, you know, somebody's just sort of said, okay, let's just go have some fun. Let everybody think we still have porpoising, right? And that's probably the joke in all of this. But I'm pretty sure that, you know, they would have found their way around it. So the 0.5 concept is what they will want to bring forward and you know we won't know if it's a three-team battle one team battle i mean pretty much all of last year red bull ran away with things but uh testing will give everybody the chance to at least test their systems like we spoke in the f1 explained episode about pre-season testing on the podcast and i know sundaram did a very good reel even on his uh, f1 stats guru handle on instagram there's too many references to the word pod over here, side pod, podcast. But anyway, coming back to coming back to Mercedes, <laughs> the other thing that I'm really looking forward to is, like you mentioned, the zero pods. Because last year, it seemed like a radical concept. And this year, a year later, I'm sure teams must have tried every single variant in their wind tunnel. The one that Red Bull has, the one that Ferrari has, and probably tried variants of what Mercedes came out with last year, the zero pod. And you can see that nine of 10 teams have not gone or even come close to that concept. So they probably see that concept as something that doesn't really give them any benefit. Whereas Mercedes still has that in in the car that they launched. So it's either, I mean, it's probably their plan A, plan B as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm expecting that they see they probably see some gain in, in running that concept. And if it doesn't work, for, for example, in the first three races, probably they might switch to a plan B uh, around the one month long break in, in April. Exactly. And with those things as well, the teams having the chance to be more adaptable and change things, I'm actually so curious to see to what degree will they go ahead and try those weight-saving measures? Because in the liveries, we've seen a couple of teams do it, but always the car that comes around to testing is different. So 
what sort of extra parts come about? What sort of weight-saving measures do the teams actually bring about? And also, I'm, I'm genuinely intrigued about one big story from testing this year, and that's going to be Alpine and their fireworks displays. Because as you all know, we love to celebrate the new year with a little bit of pop and bang, right? So will that firework or those fireworks come from Alpine or somewhere else? Because with the sliding scale aero properly being impl- uh, implemented this year, Alpine have a lot more testing time in comparison to Mercedes, Ferrari, and obviously Red Bull Racing too. And they've been pretty confident in saying that, yes, this is the year where we can close down the gap and we can use our increased aero time to get some sort of advantage over and maybe push towards the top three. But this is the moment of truth. This is the moment where we actually really find out just what have they got or is it just 2017 or 2018 all over again where the Endstone team always says something and ends up in P4 somehow all the time. That's a very interesting point that you made because... Um, what I've observed whenever Mercedes have been the champions there's Red Bull was always out there making bold claims about how fast their car is going to be ahead of the season and this time Red Bull has really kept it very silent they've kept everything under wraps you don't see them or hear them making any bold claim that they're going to go for three in a row in the drivers championship so I feel that there have been not many bold claims made so far. People are pretty, teams are very realistic about their expectations. Even Alpine and McLaren and, and Aston Martin are not boldly claiming that they're going to win races this year. But I see some slight bits of positivity, especially like you mentioned in Alpine, considering that the car is underweight and, and with uh, how, how the car design looks like. It does look that they, there might be flashes of brilliance uh, from Alpine and maybe even from Aston Martin because there's some very positive, chirpy chatter that's happening around the Aston Martin car as well. So I don't know what what could happen for them this year. That's the F word, the Fernando Alonso effect at Aston Martin in play. But where you guys are going, actually, is very simple. Uh, it's going to a very, very uh, used term, which is which something we can convert into a drinking game when it comes to preseason testing. The word is called sandbagging, right? I'm sure you know it. Not that I need to explain it to you folks, but you know, for, for our listeners, it's when a team doesn't want to showcase their true pace. And there are very, you know, very easy ways to sort of sandbag. You just carry more fuel loads. You run your power units in, you know, lower modes and so on. So you are able to uh, sort of push, but not push enough to showcase that you're the fastest. And will that be the case? Will the top three teams specifically hold back? Or will they turn around and say, you know what, that's it. This season, we're going to go hammer and tongs and let people know from the first lap itself that we have come up with a very strong car. Because Red Bull, as we know, have uh, an even bigger disadvantage with the lesser aero time thanks to their budget cap breach that was there last season, right? So <clears throat> I'm I'm excited to see who is sandbagging and by how much. And each time you hear the word sandbag, okay, since I'm almost a teetotaler, you'll remember the Inside Line F1 podcast when you hear the word sandbag during the preseason testing broadcast. But There's another P that I want to bring forward here, which is PR laps, which is, again, something that Formula One teams have done for years and years before, right? What does it mean? You'll take on low fuel specifically on the last day of the test. You'll bang in a really quick lap time, create a lot of positive headlines around your team and your performance and how the car is going to do well and sort of use that to get some bit of spotlight on you before the first race of the season. And then eventually, you know, just blow your cover when it comes to performing at the first race of the season. So, P 
PR laps are usually uh, something that we've seen in pre-season testing as well. That's another P. It's like wearing a tuxedo when they've asked you to dress up in semi-casuals. It's like you don't need it, but the moment where everyone wears a tuxedo, you probably won't look that much more special. I, again, I don't get it, but there are times when PR laps are not always like PR laps. I mean, Braun GP in 2009, most people thought that was a PR lap, but inside the paddock, there was a genuine fear that, hey, these guys are fast. But I'm curious about events like those because... I mean, logically speaking, this is the year where we should start to see some changes, some midfield teams getting closer, some sort of change towards, let's say, creating a new world order in Formula One. If that word isn't wow, I haven't I haven't said that word for so long, and I, I don't think you've probably heard it since the two thousands as well. So there's there's a word that's getting back again. That's that's a bit of a start, but maybe this is the season where we start to see something quite like that. But what's actually been annoying me more than the fact that the midfield teams haven't been able to close up, is the fact that how inconsistent their names are. McLaren folks have just launched a car called the MCL60. So I did some very uh, basic sixth grade math, rather third grade math. But in 2047, will the McLaren Formula 1 car be then called the MCL37? Because they've just named the MCL60 in 2023. And then so just to kind of replace the order, they will have to put this year's car into 2047? Why? It it could be worse. It could be Ferrari. It could be the SF something. I think Ferrari named their cars like Elon Musk names his kids. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, these car names are so tough to go by. And, you know, especially from 2020 to 2021 and 2022, when the new regulations were delayed, suddenly it was RB16B. Right. And I remember Alfa Romeo actually used the 2021 nomenclature in 2020 and so on. And with McLaren, of course, it's 60 years since Bruce McLaren started the team. And hence, they've used the MCL 60, just the way we had SF 1000 in the Ferrari, I think a couple of years ago when they did the thousand races or something. But here are some interesting stats, right? Not every team will do the equal number of mileage or laps as they yeah, as they would in, in those three uh, days of preseason testing. There could be reliability issues. There could be, uh, you know, different run plans and so on. Like, for example, Ferrari did 788 laps last year, as opposed to Haas, who could only do 413 laps, right? And, and it's going to be very exciting to see what the mileage count this year would be because last year was six days of testing. This year is, of course, just three days of testing. The teams have had more time with these concept cars, uh, but also less half the time of testing than last year. Also, could uh, Aston Martin just run one single driver throughout the three days of preseason testing? I mean, much as we joked about it at the start of the year. So lots of different stories to look forward to. And crucially about preseason testing, this is one area where there can be very little friction when it comes to FIA and Formula One. Why? Because, you know, there isn't really anything that one needs to regulate in preseason testing. Like we said in the F1 Explained episode, a team could come with a completely illegal car in preseason testing and not be disqualified for it. So, Will Mohammed Ben Sulayam be there? I'm pretty sure Stefano Domenicali will be there. Will they be, you know, crossing paths again? Will they be at it again? Something new to argue about? I don't know. I don't think preseason testing will have all that garnishing and masala as, say, a normal race weekend would. But, hey, Formula 1 is back and that's what we're going to celebrate uh, uh, this uh, this preseason test. 
I'm just wondering though, will we be able to celebrate Ferrari at the end of the day? Because if there's one thing that I'm genuinely excited to watch, it's the way the team behaves. What sort of body language do they carry? What sort of way do they communicate with the media? Just how much of an impact can a new team principal like Fred Vasseur have? And also, just simple things like how confident are the engineers? Because under the past couple of managements, they just seemed clueless. And at last, we have a leader who seems at least to have that sort of control and balance within the team. So that's also one thing I'm very intrigued to see, Sundaram. What sort of body language do they carry into testing? And by what stage will we start to bet on them winning the World Championship? Because it, it always happens. It's not testing if we don't do that. It's just a staple at this point. I don't think so. We're going to be betting on Ferrari anytime soon this season. Even if they win the first five races, I think people are going to hold their horses and reserve their predictions about how Ferrari could probably end the season. So until the second half of the of the year, I don't think so. People are going to be um, expecting Ferrari or, or predicting Ferrari to win because you know how that jinx works or how it worked last year. And, you know, preseason testing, each team allowed to run one car, which means drivers are sharing sessions. George Russell has already come out and said, let teams run two cars for the test because as a driver, you just get one and a half days to prepare. And in some way, I like this whole efficiency era of Formula One. You have lesser time, lesser money to still come up and deliver the best possible results that you would, right? And why don't we all pick one driver that we are all excited to follow on track? And I can go first since I'm always the one answering my questions first. The one driver I'm most excited to see is Oscar Piastri, right? Yes. Now, he has been the hottest property uh, in Formula One without actually having driven a Formula One car, right? Now, the preseason test is only going to be his first shot at driving the latest spec of Formula One cars. So I don't think it'll impact his stock right away. But how quickly will he settle in? How much time will he need? How, how fast can he go? How many mis- how, how fewer mistakes he'll make? And, and hence... Will his stock continue to rise at McLaren against a very, very capable Lando Norris and and so on? So Oscar Piastri is my pick of the driver to follow in preseason testing. And maybe I'm going to say this for the first three races of the season as well. But Sundaram, what's your pick? Now, apart from the obvious, I mean, obvious being the youngest driver on the grid, I am keeping my eyes on Nick DeVries. Because there's been a lot of talk about if he deserves his place in Formula 1. I mean, he he didn't have the most natural promotion to Formula 1 since he became uh, the Formula 2 champion. But um, yeah, I'm I'm quite interested to see how he fares through this year. And I think I'll go last. In my opinion, the most exciting driver to watch for in testing this year has to be Logan Sargent. Because let's be honest, Williams have really done a fantastic job shelter him. He's not been in the media attention at all. And normally think about it, right? An American driver entering Formula 1. This should be headline news. We should be laughing, crying, celebrating. I think no, some of us were laughing. But some of us should be just exclaiming in joy here and there about finally an American driver coming to Formula 1. But that hasn't happened. And so I'm finally excited to see, okay, what can this guy do in a Formula 1 car of modern spec? I know we've had a couple of FP1 runs, but that's not enough. This is the time where we actually understand what Logan Sargent is made of. And so that's the one thing I'm very curious about among so many other things. But that's all to come over the course of the next couple of days, folks. And I hope that you truly enjoy watching testing because thank goodness for all the access that we get these days. But if you are in Mumbai in this next couple of days, in fact, 
on the 26th of February on Sunday then you have to come to our second ever F1 pit stop our live meetup that happens at Palladium Social so we're going to be talking a lot about testing drive to survive and joining us will be Abhishek Takle a very very experienced formula 1 journalist from the country who spent years and years covering the sport on ground and as usual there'll be lots of banter lots of talk about the upcoming season and most importantly a chance to interact for us with all of you to know your opinions on the sport as well so don't forget to join us and check out the link in the episode description for more information but for now folks we've got to say goodbye see you on the 26th if you're in mumbai bye bye